We're talking senior ball and, of course, all things New York Giants with special guest Justin Pennock. He you know him from Talking Giants, the podcast that's coming up next. You are Locked On Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, New Year, Giant fans, and welcome to another edition of the Locked on Giants podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast family, your team every day. Patricia Trainer here with you, and happy Thursday to everybody. Uh, we have uh, the first of two big shows, one today, one tomorrow, coming up on today's show live, well, actually not live, but from Mobile, Alabama, the site of the Senior Bowl, I have Justin Pennick on the show. Justin is uh, one half of the Talking Giants podcast duo. And you guys and gals have probably seen Bobby Skinner on the show a few times. So Justin is actually making his debut here on the Locked on Giants podcast. And he's going to offer up his thoughts on what he's seen. We're going to talk a little bit about the Giants and what's transpired there. So it should be a good conversation, I think, coming up. Um, Today's show, by the way, is brought to you in part by Get Upside. Just download the free Get Upside app and use the promo code TOUCHDOWN to get 25 cents per gallon or more cash back on your first tank. And also, folks, thank you so much for making the Locked on Giants podcast your first listen of the day or if you're watching us on YouTube, your first watch of the day. Now, I also mentioned we have two big shows to close out the week. In addition to the interview with Justin Panic. We have uh, going. We're going live on Friday, 11 a.m. We're going to kick it off. I'm going to have the entertainer on, so we are going to go live. We'll take your questions. We'll talk Giants again. Everything that's transpired. Always a fun show when Chris comes on, and I'm really looking forward to that. And I hope you, you guys and gals, will be able to join us. We're probably going to go about an hour to an hour and a half, depending on how things go. And uh, bring your questions, obviously, and uh, stop by. We'd love to hear from you guys and gals. So, uh, all right. That um, With that said, let's get into the interview with Justin Pennick, who comes to us from Mobile, Alabama, site of the Senior Bowl. All right, Giant fans, welcome back to the Locked on Giants podcast. And as promised, I am joined for the first time by the one, the only Justin Panek. And he is one half of the Talking Giants duo with Bobby Skinner. We've had Bobby on the program a few times. This is Justin's debut here on the Locked on Giants podcast. So excited to have him with us. Justin, how you doing, my friend? Patty, I'm coming to you from Mobile, Alabama in a hotel room at the Senior Bowl. I'm actually in my friend's hotel room, not even in my own room, because in my own room, we got another podcast going for our Talking Football channel, doing a little bit of a recap from Senior Bowl. So a lot of content, a lot of things that we're putting out, Giants and football stuff. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for asking me to come on. Um, Good week at Senior Bowl in Alabama. I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing great, and I'm excited to hear about the Senior Bowl. I, of course, am not down there, unfortunately. Uh, I'm down there in spirit, but, you know, I've had the virtual access to the film. But, you know, first, before we get to the Senior Bowl, um, Justin, let's talk about what's been going on with the Giants. Now, you know, Brian Dable hired as the head coach. 
I actually like this decision. I want to get your take on it, what you like about it. And I know you did a lot of research, I think, on on uh, Brian Dable. So I want to hear what you have to say about the whole uh, move. Yeah. So Brian Dable was the candidate that just flat out excited me the most. I mean, you can never predict, you know, uh, black and white of just is a guy going to be great or is a guy going to fail? Um, I feel like you can never really predict that. But out of, out of all the head coaching candidates that we had this cycle, he was just the guy that excited me the most. And I think you you know, you kind of look at the trends of the NFL and kind of what's going on right now. I think you're seeing a lot of good defensive coordinators that are kind of coming out of left field and they're kind of just coming up. You know, Patrick Graham was a defense coordinator of one of the worst defenses in football in 2019. They allowed explosive play after explosive play comes with the Giants and he's getting head coaching interviews in 2020 and also in 2021. You're seeing D'Amico Ryans is a guy that came up, you know, former player. I remember playing with him in Madden growing up. And now, you know, he's a guy that was getting head coaching candidates this offseason. So trends of the NFL Defensive coordinators, they can kind of come up, but those offensive coordinators and those offensive play callers may be a little bit more harder to find. So Brian Dable, you know, coming in with that really explosive, awesome offense from Buffalo, trying to see if we can get if we can untap and get this Giants offense going since really for a very, very long time, uh, this Giants offense just has not been up to par in terms of scoring points at somewhat of an above average rate in the National Football League. And it is an explosive play, and it is an offensive league where you do have to score some points. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you look at the work that he's done or his offense has done with uh, Josh Allen, the quarterback up there. When Josh mm-hmm. Allen first came out, I think there were some questions as to whether or not he could become, you know, a really good quarterback. And he has, of course, evolved into one. And, Pretty much you can tell with the hiring of, of Brian Dable that uh, the Giants are all in on Daniel Jones. No surprise there. John Mara mm. has said it numerous times. Um, pretty obvious that that's what they're looking to do. Um, I know you've also studied a little bit about uh, the type of offense he runs. I've done some work on that as well. As a matter of fact, on Giants Country, I have an article up um, that I did on uh, Wednesday about uh, – <laughs> about the the type of offense he runs. He runs primarily 11 personnel. That's the majority Mm -hmm. of the offense that that, that Buffalo ran. And for for numerous reasons. And of course, tomorrow, or actually today, Thursday on Giants Country, we have another article with specific plays, three plays that Coach Gene Clemens outlined. But let Mm -hmm. me get your take on what you've seen. When you look at the film of the Buffalo uh, offense, what really excites you? What do you think can translate really well with the Giants, given the skilled position players they have? Yeah, so one of the things that the Bills love to run, now it helps when you do have Josh Allen, but I'll get to the whole Josh Allen, you know, the impact and presence of Josh Allen being such an elite quarterback. What does that mean for Brian Dable? We can maybe even talk about that because I think that's an interesting conversation. But what Buffalo really likes to run, they love to run crossing routes. And I'm a big fan of running those crossing routes over the middle of the field. The Giants played cover one and they played against man coverage so often these last two years because Jason Garrett's offense and this Giants offense in general, they had a lot of trouble producing big plays. So what teams are going to do, they're going to put more guys by the line of scrimmage. They're not going to trust and they're not going to give you any credit for your ability to throw the ball deep or produce the big plays. So why should we put a bunch of guys in coverage when we don't think that you can do it to begin with? So those crossing routes, if teams want to play man coverage against us next year, 
those crossing routes are going to be an awesome way to kind of defeat man coverage. And Brian Dable did a great job of running those. And Josh Allen is also the type of quarterback that can throw from different arm angles. He has the arm strength and he has the improvisation to deliver a ball on those crossing routes going across the field, but also just a little bit outside the X's and O's, but it still does relate to some X's and O's. Brian Dable has evolved. You mentioned the word evolved, how Josh Allen has evolved. Dable himself and the system that he ran in Buffalo, that evolved over time as well. There's a really good athletic article by Robert Mays where very, very it's long and it's detailed, but really details how Dable was almost a stubborn coach, a very stubborn coach, very kind of set in his ways. And I think you've seen some of the, you know, Belichick disciples over the years that have kind of come out of New England, how they have been kind of stubborn, stuck to their ways. And Dable was out of New England for a long time. But I think at Buffalo, he kind of looked at himself in the mirror, you know, looking at what he's got. And especially as they added more talent in Buffalo, how can I make this work? How can I make this work? Dable was in, has been in the NFL for 20 plus years, and he had some previous stints as offense coordinator with the Dolphins that you know it, it didn't go exactly perfectly according to plan. Looked at himself in the mirror. How can I create an offense that is directed towards the player's strengths. He did that. He implemented that. He got the player's input, and he kind of implemented that kind of offense where it was shaped around the player's strengths. And you heard him talk a lot about that during his opening press conference, which really entices me. Yeah, that and also he's a people person, which is yes. important. You know, you can't you can't come in and be, you know, a, a bull in a china shop. Yeah. My way and, or the highway. Yeah, yeah exactly. All that stuff. Now, one thing that, that Brian Dable said that caught my ear and I want to ask you about this. I want to see what, what you might think. I'm going to ask you to put yourself in Daniel Jones's head for a minute mm -hmm. here. Brian Dable said that he gave Daniel a bit of a homework assignment. He said, mm -hmm. you know, within a couple of weeks, come back to me with some things that you like to do, whether it be from your time here at the Giants or going back from your time at Duke. What do you think might be some of those things that Brian Dable can maybe take and incorporate into an offensive system to get the most out of Daniel Jones. I mean, really, it's going back to 2019, at least, at least for me, because I think Pat Shermer was the coach and the, you know, the play caller, you know, for Daniel Jones that did the best job of that. We're really making things for Daniel simple in 2019, which I don't think there's anything wrong with that for, for a rookie quarterback. And, and I think what happened with Jason Garrett is it was a little bit more accelerated where we're putting a lot more in front of you, a lot more pre-snap reads, a lot more post-snap processing too, where you kind of have to make a decision. So high to low reads, high to low reads is something that, um, you know, Pat, uh, that Pat Shermer really implemented with Daniel Jones. You know, we're, we're starting off, we're, we're looking towards a deep part of the field, and then we're working our way back down towards the line of scrimmage. I think that's partially why Caden Smith was so productive at the end of the 2019 season. You saw the chemistry between him and Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones likes to kind of check down to the middle of the field. It's kind of rare. You don't see Daniel Jones doing what Eli Manning did a lot towards the latter end of his career, where he's turning his body and checking it down to the running back whenever things kind of break down. Daniel Jones doesn't turn his body a lot. He kind of just sticks to the middle of the field. Okay, I'm going to check it down to my tight end or whoever's in the middle of the field. So I think implementing a lot of that high to low read stuff. And also, I know this is a tricky subject, but I think Daniel Jones is a different quarterback when he's able to run the ball. And when he's able to use his legs now, and I'm not talking about really being mobile in the pocket, but when he has the ball in his hands, it, 
it is an element of explosivity that this offense really does need. It's just learning how to slide. And I've heard you say that before. Learn how to slide and learn when to just, hey, let's throw this play away. Let's we'll we'll learn. We'll we'll live another down. And that's something that they could have done in that Eagles game where there's not much of a gain there. Learn to live another down, go down, fall down, do something. But that is an element of his game that is really, really strong. And I hope that he also views that as a strong part of his game, too. And that's his likes. If he, of course, learns how to slide. I mean, I don't know if I can yes. go through another season where that we lose him for half of the, oh, half the year. But let me ask you about the skill position players now. Um, given what we know about what Brian Dable ran up in Buffalo, and we're going to, you know, they, as we record this, there's no offensive coordinator. There should be an offensive coordinator named by the end of this week, I would think. Mm-hmm. But it's going to be primarily, I think, Dable's system. And, and, and it's going to maybe have some tweaks based on who he hires. So... That said, when you look at the skill position players now, obviously the offensive line, we know they've got to redo that that unit. But do they have what they need, you think, to, to run some of these basic concepts? I know, you know, so there's some questions about tight end, but, you know, could you see a scenario, for example, of Evan Ingram coming back, which I know is going to horrify some Giant fans. But given, you know, Ingram's talented, and I don't think people have really appreciated or used him properly yeah in their offenses but so you know just let's start there let's start with tight ends do you think they have what they need and then let's go to the receivers and the running backs do they have the skill position players to make this this system hum i think tight ends um you know if kyle if kyle rudolph was more productive this year and you know if he was more productive in the receiving game because he was a very sound blocker and you know kyle rudolph you know you take away the the price tag <laughs> that that he that he had this year you know, as a as a pass blocker. I mean, he actually helped out Nate Solder a lot. You know, think of that fifty one yard touchdown to John Ross, the max protect twelve personnel. John Ross catches that touchdown pass against the Saints. I mean, uh, Kyle Rudolph was helping Nate Solder on that right side. You know, kind of clamping down that line allows Daniel Jones to kind of step up. But Rudolph, if you're going to be paying a guy that much money, you need him to be a little bit more productive in the receiving game. And then with Evan Ingram. I feel like you need that tight end that is more than just a willing blocker. We've been saying for years that Evan Ingram is a willing blocker. Well, is he good? I mean, he's not maybe not bad, but is he a, a good blocker and is he an advantage? But he can be an advantage when we're talking about those crossing routes. You know, what Evan Ingram can do is he can run a straight line very, very well, and he can, and he's a fast player. So can he run those crossing routes? So certainly, with if this wasn't a new regime, let's just say um, – then I think Evan Ingram maybe a stronger chance that he's back. But I there's a lot of senior bowl guys that um, I am I'm loving at tight end like Trey McBride, Colorado State, Jake Ferguson. They still do have Caden Smith, which I 100%. I am kind of going into next season thinking that Caden Smith is going to be tight end one. So I think tight end is actually the position that they need to do the most work on. So then let's go to wide receiver. Um, Kenny Galladay, Patty. I mean, uh, how? Is it bad in my brain that I'm just thinking it's so simple to just throw a ball up to Kenny Galladay if he has a one-on-one situation? You know, no, you're spot on. It's sometimes just as simple as that, and letting your playmakers go up and make a play. Not everything needs to be so complicated where you need to have the best scheme and you need to have the best play call, and the coaches need to outcoach the other team. Sometimes it's just as simple as, hey, we got Kenny Galladay. He's six three. This corner he's going up against is 5'11". He's got a 20-plus pound weight advantage on him. Let's throw, let's throw up a football when he has this wide catch radius, and then we can create big plays that way. And that's an element of the offense that was really, really missing this year. And there was a little bit of a, a, a rumor that I heard that Tyke Tolbert did not like 
like back shoulder throws. And that's kind of how Kenny Galladay makes his money. Those back shoulder, you know, throws that, it, you know, it's almost like you can't even defeat it in the NFL today. So Tyke Tolbert not coming back uh, as the wide receiver coach for the Giants. So you have Galladay and Slayton is still under his rookie contract, which big play Slay uh, as a guy that can run down the field and a guy that can stretch the field, which I think Dable wants to do. Um, I think some of the rest of the wide receivers may be TBD with not really knowing Sterling Shepard's issue. And also Kadarius Tony. How fun, how fun can Kadarius Tony be in that slot and in the outside, just being that reliable target in the in the intermediate part of the field while also having the yards after the catch element. I think Dable's gonna have a lot of fun with Tony. And then running backs, um Saquon Barkley. Quite a quite an interesting discussion. I if there is a coach that I do trust to tap, tap into what Saquon can be, it is Dable. And that may not necessarily be dependent on volume, but it's going to be dependent on efficiency. And that's how Dable really uses the running game. He's not going to force feed the running game, but it's going to be based on efficiency. And I trust that this offense overall, including the running game, will be more efficient. Interestingly enough, do you, <clears throat> excuse me, do you think Saquon Barkley is going to be on this roster? I know I had this discussion yeah. uh, at, at, at the presser uh, on Monday and I was talking with a colleague, and he said, "Look, I'd be surprised if Saquon is on the roster um, to start the season. I would definitely be surprised if he is on the roster to end the season." And he was of the opinion that the Giants could maybe look to move him and get a couple of, you know, maybe mid-round draft picks. I think they're going to keep Saquon. I mean, even though you know we've seen the running game function okay without mm-hmm. Saquon. He still brings that element, that added element, you know, as a receiver. And he just, he has the talent. It's just the, the injury situation. But, I mean, do you think that he's going to make it through the season healthy, number one? And number two, will he remain on the season or will he maybe be traded? I really do think he is going to be traded. Uh, I, I I really do think. Now, now that's that's what the what what kind of the the heart thinks and I, I, Saquon is a great guy I do not dislike him as a player I love him as a player mm-hmm. but I do think just where Saquon Barkley is in his career you know he's approaching where we're going to possibly need to negotiate a contract I do not think that the Giants should be paying a lot of money for a running back especially since you know they're they're in a certain interesting cap situation right now that may take one or two years to fully kind of get out of um you know they're in a position where we should be building from the the draft as well and the buffalo bills kind of have a track record of drafting running backs from the third round and on and and again being efficient in the running game which i find that's the key in the nfl today you want your passing game to kind of be the thing that's driving the offense and you're rushing and this is my opinion and the rushing game is there uh, from an efficiency standpoint to kind of keep the offense on schedule and also to diversify the offense as well. I do not think Saquon Barkley is on the team next year. Just looking at what Joe Shane has done or what Joe Shane has been a part of with the Buffalo Bills, not what he's done, but what he's been a part of with the Buffalo Bills and knowing that he was not drafted by this regime and knowing that he has, you know, his contract is expiring, Saquon Barkley's, I don't think he's on the team. All right, Giant fans, we have more coming up on today's Locked on Giants podcast. But first, if you do a lot of driving, you need to know about the Get Upside app, which offers savings every time you fill up at the pump. Download the free Get Upside app today and use promo code TOUCHDOWN when you sign up for your account to get at least 25 cents per gallon or more back on your first fill up at participating gas stations. You can cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal, 
or get an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. So download the free Get Upside app today to start your savings and don't forget to use that promo code TOUCHDOWN to get 25 cents per gallon or more cash back on your first fill up. Now, one, one last question before we move off the offense, and I want to get back to the offensive line here. You've been down there uh, in Mobile uh, watching the practices. What's your feeling as far as the type of offensive line they want to run? Is it going to be more of a zone blocking? Is it going to be more of a power gap? What, what are you picking up down there? I think it's going to be a mix and Dable really did do a mix. And there are probably some other people that are a little bit more qualified to talk about it than me, but I do think it is going to be a mix. And, and uh, you know, one of the things that, you know, with Bobby Johnson coming in um, th- this week as the offensive line coach, one of the things that he talked about um, in, in some interviews is especially in the passing game, um, not really doing a lot of vertical sets for tackles which that's something, you know, in, in my, in my brain, you know, look, just looking at NFL teams, almost all those tackles, you see, they're doing kick step, kick step, kick step, and they're going back um, guards, even same thing. You know, they're, you're, you're working to get depth. You are going to get depth. So possibly a quarterback can step up in the pocket, but it looks like they may try in the, in the passing game and with pass blocking to just kind of hold strong up front. And that, you know, you're still gonna have your tackles that do their kick steps and their vertical steps, but maybe they're not going to be going as deep. Maybe they're not going to be going as, you know, back in the backfield and in depth like that. So I think it's going to be a mix in the running game, um, versatile, which if Saquon Barkley's here, I think he can benefit from an outside zone kind of rushing scheme where Saquon Barkley's the running, a, a kind of running back that likes to spend a lot of time behind the line of scrimmage. So if you let him go outside, it gives him more time to diagnose what's in front of him. And then boom, Maybe he can be more efficient that way instead of just asking him to run in a straight line where he can get stuck behind blockers and et cetera, et cetera. So um, I'm excited to see what we're going to be doing with offensive line in the draft because there are a lot of good offensive linemen here at the Senior Bowl, particularly interior offensive linemen. I know Zion Johnson is a is a name that is really circulating around right now, Boston College, where that may be a guy where we get to day two and we get to our round two pick where you know, maybe we go tackle an edge or maybe we trade back with one of those picks um, where we may be banging the table for Zion Johnson to get in here and be a pretty good guard um, to kind of start off for us. Yeah, and then guard's definitely a position it looks like they're going to need because I don't mm-hmm. see Will Hernandez coming back. And and obviously, uh, I think they can upgrade from Matt Skura. So, all right, Justin, let us turn our attention now to the defense. Now, as we record this, word had come out just a little while ago that it looks like Kevin O'Connell, the Rams offensive coordinator, is going to get the head coaching vacancy, uh, head coaching job in Minnesota, which Patrick Graham was in the running for. So that sounds like Patrick Graham is coming back. I'm disappointed for Patrick Graham, good guy, but I'm kind of selfishly happy he's coming back because I suspect, and I had done a a cap article um, that published a few days ago, that the Giants are going to have to tweak that defense. And even though, you know, with Patrick Graham coming back, you're still looking at, you know, third year in the system, but there's going to be some pieces that maybe won't be there. I'm thinking James Bradbury might not be there. Um, you know, will Logan Ryan be there? I don't know. I, I, I didn't have him in my math, but certainly I can make a case for him not being there. Who knows if Blake Martinez is going to be healthy. So that said, you know, you look at the defense, the state of the defense, not bad last year, but not as good as they were the first year. What does that unit need? And do you see the return of Patrick Graham as an advantage? I absolutely, yes, I absolutely do see the return of Graham being an advantage. And here's why, you know, Let's use Wink Martindale as an example. 
I would love Wink Martindale as a defense coordinator. Do not get me wrong, but you know, he was faced with a little bit of adversity this year with the Ravens and now a lot because they did have a lot of injuries, but the defense was not the same. And I think they have a type of player in Baltimore, Patrick Graham. I don't necessarily think he has a type of player. Number one, because I don't think he's had his choice. <laughs> I don't know if he's necessarily had his choice of like his type of player. You especially look at the edge room the last two years, 2020 and 2021, the edge room was virtually non-existent. Aziz Ojolari being the, the most consistent presence of at edge in, in 2021 in terms of producing sacks. Um, but outside of that, he has had to work with a non-existent edge room, a secondary that has been kind of banged up throughout you know two years, 2020 specifically, when you had Isaac Adam, who was starting at cornerback two, really doing really doing a good job of playing coverages that are helping him on that side. And then James Bradbury's kind of more or less on that island taking care of, of, of his business. But he's had to adjust. He's had to adjust this year. He wanted to run more man coverage. He wanted to blitz against the Broncos. That blitz rate was over 40%, which was the most in the NFL after week one. But Teddy Bridgewater still had over three seconds to throw the ball. And that's just not, that's not a winning formula. So that's what he wanted. So then he had to adjust again to playing more man coverage and while still playing more too high versus last year, they played a lot of single high. So Patrick Graham is a head coach that can adjust is a defensive coordinator that can adjust. And I like that because no matter what happens, if there's injuries, if there's personnel issues, this is a guy that can somehow make it work and he's made it work. It hasn't been perfect. No. Has the last two minutes of the, of the first half uh, been bad. And have we allowed a lot of points? Absolutely. But Patrick Graham is a guy that can adjust. And I like that in a coach where, again, he's not stuck in his ways. And he's keeping uh, Jerome Henderson, the defensive backs coach, which I love that decision too. I mean, Henderson did a, I think one of the most underrated jobs on the coaching staff last year, given all the COVID and injury situations he had to deal with. He had that unit pretty much playing up to snuff. Now, you know, you look at the personnel, um, up front, I think they might, you know, Austin Johnson, I think, is a free agent. So they'll have Leonard Williams. They're going to have Dexter Lawrence, who, by the way, you know, we talk about Daniel Jones in the 50-year option. Dexter Lawrence's option year, they've got to decide on that as oh, well, yeah. wow. which a lot of people aren't talking about. No, they really yeah. need to. I don't think they'll pick that up either. But um, so you've got you, – you're probably going to need another defensive uh, lineman. Um, at the linebacker position, you know, you don't know what you – if Blake – I think they bring Blake back. I think they're going to restructure him, but I think you got to get him a second guy. Um, you know, yeah. Tate Crowder was okay. Jalen Smith, I think, was okay. But you need a really good second option there in case Blake isn't good to go. The edge, you know, you mentioned uh, Aziz Ojulari. Now, I don't know. Are they going to bring back uh, Lorenzo Carter? Would you bring back Lorenzo Carter, given that Lorenzo Carter didn't really come on until the last four yeah. games of the season? Let's just say, hypothetically, we draft two edge rushers this year, which I don't think is unrealistic. You could take an edge rusher in the first round, which I would be very much for. And then you could take an edge rusher, maybe third, fourth, fifth, whatever. And then uh, just, you know, BPA on day two and three. So you bring back Lawrence or Carter, then you're talking about a situation where either Carter is going to have to be cut. You're talking about possibly Ellerson Smith or Quincy Roche. So at this point, Ellerson Smith is on the roster for the next few years. Quincy Roche is on the roster for the next few years. I think it makes the most sense just to kind of let Carter walk. I'm going to give you a hot take right now, Patty. I don't think Ellerson Smith is on the team next year. Ooh, I was going to ask you about that too. I, 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 
because he was a project pick to begin with with the Giants, where he didn't play in the twenty twenty uh, he didn't play in the twenty twenty college season. Right. Uh, he opted out. And no, he didn't opt out. He's, oh, his season was excuse canceled. Me. Excuse, yeah. Yes, his season was canceled. Because of camp COVID. Me. Yes. So ex- excuse me on that. But he did not play the 2020 season. And in that 2020 season, you know, he had to bulk up where he was very, very light the last time that we were able to kind of turn on tape and see him play. And you know, his role in this year was just kind of being a filler man when guys were running stunts, when that defense was running stunts. So I don't think he's on the team. I think the Giants are looking to kind of add some edge help this offseason. And I think there's a track record for the Buffalo Bills where Joe Shane was, is that, you know, they've drafted defensive linemen and edge rushers in the first three rounds uh, in a lot of their drafts. Ed Oliver was a first-round pick. A.J. Epineza was a second-round pick. Carlos Basham, Gregory Rousseau was a first-round pick as well. So there's a lot of there's a track record there with Buffalo that they really do prioritize defensive linemen and edge rushers in the first three rounds. So I wouldn't be surprised if multiple guys are added there, and then we may have a surprise camp cut. Yeah, and and not something really that the Giants have prioritized a whole lot, yeah. you know, until last year. I mean, you can you can make the case obviously with Ojulari, but otherwise, pass rushers have been in the third round, which I don't get. I don't understand that at all. I mean, yeah, you see O'Shane the Simenez yeah. hasn't worked out. I mean, I don't get what they're thinking there. So, so, uh, but you know, you know, it's interesting. You mentioned um, Ellerson Smith. When I last saw him, I saw him walking off the field at practice. And I was kind of alarmed at how slender he looked. And I thought to myself, my gosh, how's this kid going to hold up? And it's interesting because I, in speaking with people, they were of the opinion that he would have been better off returning to school for an extra year to work with Bryce Pop, who had been his uh, position coach. And he, of course, decided to come out. And I don't know. I'm with you. I, I don't know what they have in him. There's just not enough of a sample size and... I'm not sure where he fits in. Is he an outside linebacker? Or should he be a defensive end? Is he going to bulk up yeah. to be able to, to hold down at, at defensive end? I, I just don't know. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with So I I do think like right now we, we did our edge review on Talking Giants. And I'm like, you know what? Just kind of going through the different possibilities of who they could add. I would rather have a guy like Quincy Roche than Ellerson Smith. Like I yeah. think 100%. Yeah, absolutely. And And this is a good draft class. I think for edge rushers, if I'm not yeah. mistaken, even the, the, means- the, the senior bowl too, there's a lot of, you know, good, uh, day, day mm-hmm. two picks that you could possibly have. So yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Where else, you know, before we get to the senior bowl topic, where else on the giants defense, would you say you're legitimately concerned about? Yeah. We talked about interior linebacker. I uh-huh. am very concerned if we cut James Bradbury, I do not mm-hmm. want to cut James Bradbury. I'm kind of selfishly here on like, I I would be okay if we cut Blake Martinez, but I don't want to. But they do have to make tough decisions with this cap space. I, I, I get it. But I would rather lose Blake Martinez than James Bradbury. I know James Bradbury didn't have the type of year that he had in 2020, but it was still a good year where I think if James Bradbury had the type of year that he had this year, like if he had his 2021 season in 2020, I think Giants fans are like, okay, like that's what that's the player that he was in Carolina. But because he had this insane, like, top five cornerback all-pro season, then we went into the expectations that he should be doing that again, and it didn't quite work out that way. So I am concerned in a passing league. I am concerned if we lose, lose James Bradbury. And, you know, I have a little, you know, shell shock as a Giants fan about, uh, you know, if we want to draft a cornerback like in round one. Um, I'm like, well, 
that hasn't really worked out for us the last few times. It's almost like Aaron Robinson and Darnay Holmes in the third round are like better picks than Eli Apple and DeAndre Baker. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, you know, so that's where I am right now with, in terms of if if there's a need and they decide to cut James Bradbury, I mean, cornerback one is like top priority. Like, Oh my gosh, what are we going to do? But also interior defensive lineman, you mentioned Dexter Lawrence, possibly him not picking up his fifth year option. Is Leonard Williams on the team after 2022? That's also a valid question. Um, I would hope that he is. I mean, this is a guy that we signed for a long time, and I hope he kind of gets back to that 2020 kind of player that he was. Um, But Austin Johnson expiring deal. Danny Shelton did not work out on a one-year deal. But there's a lot of guys at the Senior Bowl, you know, including um, Neil Neil Farrell Jr., uh, Devontae Wyatt from Georgia, John uh, John Ridgeway from Arkansas, who could possibly be a day three pick. I mean, there's a lot of interior defensive linemen in this in this uh, at the Senior Bowl right now, where where I'm at, and then also in this draft class that could be very promising. Giants have been known just as an organization to be like defensive tackle you, as my buddy Snacks likes to say. And uh, Joe Shane also has the track record where when he was with the Bills of drafting those interior guys as well. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And and just to your point about James Bradbury, it's interesting. I was having this conversation with somebody earlier today, and I and I said, well, if they cut James Bradbury, could they potentially move Aaron Robinson outside? Now I know Aaron yeah. Robinson was was primarily a slot guy in college and and we were having this whole we were going through these different scenarios and we're saying well if they move him to to the outside then who's your slot guy and and it's like julian love i said well okay well where do you put darnay holmes Mm -hmm. well darnay becomes your your dime back and i said well what happens if you know logan ryan isn't on this team then who's your other safety (laughs) well you draft the safety so so many what ifs exactly your makes your head spin oh my god it really does so i mean but you know it's interesting because we did have this conversation and we questioned whether or not Patrick Graham could play the type of defense he wants to play if James Bradbury is not on this team but look Justin I got to be honest with you James Bradbury I think has the uh, either the number one or the number two highest cap hit the Giants are cap heavy in the top five normally we look at the top 10 the top five account for 47.1 percent of the cap you can't have that no. You've got to work. They've got to. They've got to straighten that out. <laughs> I yeah. mean, and 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 I'm I'm sure they will. But this is where the tough decisions come in, like like we were talking about, and that's why I I question if James Bradbury is is going to be you know one of those tough decisions. Yeah, and to circle back, you know, we can bring Patrick Graham back in the mix. If there is a defensive coordinator that I do trust that can work around it, it 100 is Patrick Graham. And Adoree, let's not let's also not act like. Adoree Jackson is just, he's just a guy that's here. Adoree Jackson had a very, very good year. And I think he really did benefit from going, you know, against wide receiver twos, whereas James Bradbury was going up against some pretty good wide receiver number ones this year. Like if you actually look at the list, it's like he faced a lot of good wide receivers, but Adoree Jackson was probably this defense's MVP this year. And I don't think that's a, that's a hot take. Like he was this defense's best player. So let's not, I don't know if he could project a CB one, but he's also here. And again, I trust Patrick Graham to adjust if tough decisions need to be made. All right, Giant fans, we have more coming up on today's Locked on Giants podcast. But first, football season might be winding down, but Bet Online has way more stuff to bet on this season. Uh, scores, totals, player performance props, 
to where the next fired head coach is going to land. Bet Online is the number one spot for all things NFL betting in 2022. And BetOnline.net's basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC odds coverage is the best in the business. From sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games, BetOnline is your number one online wagering destination. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games. So visit them today, BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, Giant fans, we have more coming up on today's Locked on Giants podcast. But first, this episode is brought to you in part by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts your car is going to need. Why endure the pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait times for parts to be shipped from a supplier to the store and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts that their warehouse happens to carry. With Rock Auto, you don't have to go through any of that. You can skip all that nonsense and save money while you get what you want and what you need. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. They offer competitive pricing on thousands of parts for every make, model, and manufacturer, and it's easy to find on their website. So go visit rockauto.com today and get what you need for your car or truck. And don't forget to write down Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so that they know we sent you. Amazing selections, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. All right, let's talk now about the Senior Bowl. Yeah. Uh, you, I think uh, you're what two days in now as we record this, um, and I know today, uh, thir- uh, Wednesday was a rainy day. I don't know if you got to see the entire uh, practice. I know tomorrow. I think they're moving practice inside, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, we uh, may, we may try to sneak sneak in, but I, I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> I don't I don't think anybody's going to be allowed to see. But we did get two good days of practice. Yes. Okay, so tell us, you know, some of the names that have stuck out that you think might be giants. I want to start off at the top with somebody quarterback taking a quarterback is controversial this year, but I want to talk. I want to start off. With hey, they Malik. need a backup. The, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, you know, following. And even if they take a guy in like the, you know, maybe the first round and I'm, I'm love with the guy Patty, where if you're going to draft quarterback, draft them to make them the guy, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think you can get kind of good value for backup guys for one or two years. And then you move on, maybe find somebody else. Et cetera, et cetera. But I'm not really for, you know, what the Giants did with like a Davis Webb or a Ryan Nass. I mean, Ryan Nassib, maybe you can understand because Eli was in the prime of his career. Anyway, if you're going to draft quarterback, you think that he can be the guy. That's my kind of mentality behind it. So I want to talk about Malik Willis. Malik Willis is kind of the talk of the senior bowl right now, where he was already the most exciting QB prospect of this draft class where I think a guy like Kenny Pickett is a little bit more safe, but Malik Willis has his flaws, Mm -hmm. but talk about Josh Allen with the improvisation throwing from the different arm angles, the arm strength, the mobility, the ability to run with the ball, all of those things Malik Willis has, and he has those things like you can't teach. And he has those things where you look at the X factors of quarterbacks in the NFL. You look at Aaron Rodgers. You look at Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes. You look at these guys, Kyler Murray. You look at these guys, and they have those traits of the ability to move around, move the pocket, arm strength, improvisation, different arm angle throws. And Malik Willis has that. But the things that he needed to show this week in Mobile, Alabama, 
wasn't the magic because you don't get a chance to see the magic when you're in a you're in a team drill. It's not designed for that. There's no rushers that are coming after you. These drills aren't designed for you to run with the ball. These drills are designed for you to stay in the pocket and deliver a ball, deliver a clean ball that's on target, um, and you're making the correct read in in a in a given play. So Malik Willis has done it, and day one he looked good. Day two, I think he looked even better. And one of the critiques that he had was Malik Willis is only a fastball thrower. He only he only throws at one speed. He's put some really nice touch on some throws the last two days. So, Patty, I'm I'm starting to think about it. I'm at the stage where I'm 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 a little flirtatious with uh with uh, Malik Willis right now, where I'm not in, but I'm I'm thinking Intrigued. about it. I'm intrigued. intrigued. I'm intrigued. And I am very okay if the, if the giants rock and roll, I think they're going to rock and roll with Daniel Jones this year, no matter what, I don't think they're going to trade him. He's, they're not going to cut him. I don't think they're going to fit. They're going to pick up his fifth year option. But again, I want Joe Shane. If he sees that there's a franchise quarterback there and he has an opportunity to take him, I kind of want him to take, I I, I really do. So that's, that's where I'm at. Malik Willis is like probably the, the biggest talking point right now from the senior bowl, but there's a lot of good edge rushers. Like Jermaine Johnson is a guy uh, that maybe if we trade back, um, we, we can, we can certainly get, or in the second round, if he does fall, um, Arnold EB Katie is an edge rusher. I, I love a lot of these edge rushers and interior defense alignment at the senior bowl. Zion Johnson, like I mentioned for Boston college, um, there's some other good uh, interior offense alignment as well. I'm um, interior, uh, interior defensive line. Um, Otito, I'll go, I'll be, oh, I, uh, this is, this is tough. Og, Ogbonia from UCLA. Um, he has been a stud um, in, in individual drills the last two days. And I think he could be a guy that could be third round and on. Um, and then John Ridgeway from Arkansas is probably a day three pick where we're looking to replace Dalvin Thompson, right? We're still looking for that nose tackle yeah. that can hold down in the middle. John Ridgeway is he has one move and it's a bull rush and he moves people. So that could be a day three pick uh, day three guy um, as well. So uh, I'm most, I'm most excited about the, the interior defensive line, interior offensive line right now at the senior bowl and looking at these quarterbacks, especially Malik Willis. Give me a name or two that maybe we weren't talking about last week, but is really creating some buzz. Yeah. So hmm. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you an edge rusher. His name is my, uh, my Jai Sanders from Cincinnati. He put, there's a right tackle from Minnesota. He's 387 pounds. <laughs> he's like six, seven, 387 pounds. And he doesn't even look like he's that big, but my Jai Sanders had a viral, uh, you know, what I would consider to be like a viral rep of started off with the spin move, but then turned it into a bull rush. And my Jai Sanders is pretty small. He's got to be like 240 pounds. You know, then I would say for maybe an edge rusher that's somewhat small, mm-hmm. then put this 387 pound tackle on his rear end, and wow. a lot of people were not were not kind of talking about him. So he had some flashy reps. Also, Trey McBride out of Colorado State, Jake Ferguson are two tight ends that I know some people were talking about, but I have a feeling Trey McBride is going to be this tight end where, you know, hey, we're talking about you know is he a second rounder? Can you maybe take him in the back end of the first? I think we're going to be talking about Trey McBride as oh, there, there's going to be 31 NFL teams. They're going to be like, well, damn, this is a tight end that we could have gotten and we could have taken. And, you know, like a George Kittle in the fifth round, how did that guy ever fall to the fifth round? I have a feeling that even though McBride probably going to be taken in the second round, there's probably going to be still 31 other teams that are kicking themselves that they didn't find a way to get them. Yeah, definitely. Now, what about guys who we were talking about who maybe aren't, uh, you know, maybe you're showing that they were a little overrated, 
Yeah. Um, some of the quarterbacks have been a, a little disappointing. I know Carson Strong ha- has not looked very good. Kenny Pickett has been okay. I wanted to see more out of Kenny Pickett, and I've been kind of keeping my eye on the court, uh, my eyes on the quarterbacks uh, cer- certainly a lot. So Kenny Pickett is a guy that's been okay, and I think the ceiling, kind of like that ceiling for him, is is almost like Kirk Cousins. And I don't think there's not necessarily anything wrong with that. But you look at kind of what's working in the National Football League right now. And maybe Kirk, Kirk Cousins isn't it. You know, that's not what's fully working for these teams that are winding up in the and playing in their conference championships. So Kenny Pickett has been a guy that I thought that he would be up there with Malik Willis. But Malik Willis has kind of been blowing the pack away. What are you hearing as far as rumors? Have you been observing maybe giant scouts going over to talk to guys? Are you hearing anything at this point? I'm in the stands. So I did see Joe Shane, Chris Pettit, and what I believed to be Tim McDonald. Um, mm-hmm. I I can't conf- I know it was Chris Pettit because I recognize I recognize his face. Timmy's but down there. I know I know he's down there. Good for me. That makes me feel really good. Yeah. So those three guys were down there. I, I, I Kevin I heard Kevin Abrams might be down here, but I didn't he see him too. on the field. He is too. Yeah. I didn't, yeah, I didn't see him on the field. So, but you know, it's good. It's good to see that we do have Giants brass down here. Even though you know, I know Brian Dable's still putting together his coaching staff. Um, I will. So here, here's what I will say. We're not, I'm not commenting on the whole, you know, Brian Flores situation, but as that was breaking, mm-hmm. I saw Joe Shane was on the phone a lot. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm not hearing anything. Cause you know, obviously right. I'm, you know, I'm a fan in the stands. I'm watching the players. You know, I, I don't have kind of like the, you know, the connections with like calling, you know, calling front office people. But you know, when, when, when all that stuff is kind of going down, I'm like, why is Joe Shane on the phone so much? And then I checked my phone. I'm like, Oh, this is happening right now. So I think he might be dealing with that. So that yeah. there you go. That's that's the inside information that Joe Shane was kind of walking in the end zone and pacing and taking a lot of phone calls while guys were practicing. So, so he has so 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 nobody that, that you've seen them talking to or, you know, have you heard anything? I know the, the media breakfast was uh, was Wednesday morning. I mean, anybody say, yes, I've met with the Giants and I know it doesn't mean anything right now, but still, it's interesting to gather that. Chris Pettit was talking with Joe Douglas. They were just having a conversation. So the, there, 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 there you go. <laughs> Pat, I'm sorry. I don't have it. I don't have it. I don't have anything juicy for you. Um, okay, no, you know, I, we're, I, we're, I, I thought I would ask. I mean, sometimes, you know, fair. and again, it doesn't mean anything necessarily. I mean, it's it, obviously you want to do due diligence, but uh, you never know. I mean, sometimes if you if, if you find out that the Giants were talking to a player at, at the senior bowl and then they're yep. talking to that same guy again at the combine and then they're talking, they're going to his, his, uh, pro day and then they're bringing him in and then it, you know you know you've got a, a trail now so i just yeah, was wondering absolutely. if there was anything that kind of jumped out at you you know in terms of your observations yeah. i mean uh final question for you but from the senior bowl i mean just overall and I, don't, I don't know if you're planning on staying for the game on sunday i know a lot of people just go for the practices and then they leave mm-hmm. but you know has anything just kind of really made you say, wow, I just wasn't expecting that, whether it be a position group or it's just something that happened, a player performance. I was not expecting the kind of wide receiver and cornerback battles to be so lopsided. It's the cornerback talent in this senior bowl pool. Um, so, you know, if, if you're, you know, if you're a fan who's listening to this, you know, look at the cornerback crop of what's going on at senior bowl right now those guys are a little bit more talented and they've had quite the advantage uh, compared to the wide receivers. And a lot of these drills, I think, I think they are kind of designed for at least the wide receiver and cornerbacks. Um, they're kind of designed for offense a little bit. 
you, know, you do have referees that are constantly throwing flags in there too. So that's, that's an element that I'm sure that's in their head too. But I was not expecting the offensive lineman and the defensive lineman drills to be as even because typically mm. on the other side, you have those individual drills of offensive lineman versus defensive lineman. They're more favored towards defensive alignment because if you got guys that are going one-on-one, well, typically you don't have all the space in the world to run around a guy or, you know, you you know, guards always have kind of have help from either the tackle or the center. So they're usually not realistic, but it, it has been so fun to see those guys battling. That's why I've been talking a lot about the edge guys and the defensive lineman. Cause the, you know, those are the, the first two days. That's where I was, you know, that's where I was really watching the third day. I was hoping to catch the cornerbacks and wide receivers, but that is now probably canceled. So I was not expecting those battles to be so even. And that has been really, really fun to watch these guys battle and these guys go to work these last two days, including even in the elements today, which I think uh, I think these guys had a little had a little bit of fun. It wasn't the fun, most fun watching it, but, uh, yeah. you know, they, they certainly had a little bit of fun. And there were guys that kind of took advantage of that opportunity. Are you staying for the game? I am not. I am not. A I, lot of people don't. I I would, you know, I don't, I don't make the, I don't make those decisions, but I would like to, I mean, it's, it's, it's a football game, you know, you, you know, catch it on TV too. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I will, I will be status. doing that. I will be doing that. And also yeah. mobile has some, you know, some good food has some good yeah. barbecue has some good people. And, uh, you know, I'd like to say for a couple more days, but you know, um, Probably headed I'll be, out, I, I guess I'll be headed home to the, the great state of New Jersey, the greatest state in the world. Oh, OK. So you're, so you're a Jersey boy, just like uh, I, I live in Jersey, too. So Love. I thought you were down in Florida with Bobby. No, no, no. We're trying to convince him to move up. He'll never move up. <laughs> I don't know if New Jersey's ready for Bobby. No, <laughs> such a good point where and i love the, him don't get me wrong i love bobby bobby if you're watching the, i love you that's probably the best defense as to why bobby should stay in florida because new jersey's <laughs> not ready for him <laughs> oh my goodness well justin listen this was great i'm so happy you, you had the time to come on the show with me and especially you know down there lots of stuff to do i'm sure and i appreciate all the insight this is great i love chat uh, talking ball with you guys and and uh, I'm sure we'll do it again at some point, whether it be my show, your show, whatever. I mean, you know, you got my my email, so always feel free to reach out. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Um, anytime you want to, hey, if you want to get into the the analytics side of things, I'm big. I'm a big numbers guy. I love I love bringing in that. Oh, that. I might take you up on that because I Please like do. that stuff too. Oh, Please do. definitely. So, oh, uh, I you mean, just I go from can of worms, Justin. <laughs> I go from next gen stats to sharp football stats. I know a lot of people are anti PFF. I use them a little bit out of all the mm-hmm. sites that I use. I probably use them less. Pro Football Reference. Mm. I love I, I love it. So anytime you want to bring oh, me on, and gosh. let's let's collaborate on that. And you Patty, got thank it. You so much. Oh, definitely. We'll have a to do fun. a numbers show. Yes, yes, yes. You got it. That's a date, my friend. All right. Thank you so much. That's Justin Penick. He is one half of the Talking Giants duo with Bobby Skinner. Great guy. Check out their podcast, everybody. They're on YouTube. Um, they're on wherever you can find podcasts, you'll find them. Uh, thank you so much for making the Locked on Giants your first listen of the day. If you're watching on YouTube, your first watch of the day. And don't forget, folks, we're going live tomorrow, Friday, 11 a.m. We're going to probably go for about an hour, an hour and a half. That's right. I'm going live. I'm, I'm, I'm getting braver, Justin, in my old age. I love it. Um, so we're going to have that show. The Entertainer is going to join me. And we'll take your questions. We'll talk Giants. And we'll send you into the weekend 
with no football. Yeah, I know the Pro Bowl's coming up, but who cares? But uh, as far as I'm concerned, there's no football. But we'll send you into the weekend, and then we'll be right back at it on Monday. So for Justin Panic, I am Patricia Trana. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and we'll catch you tomorrow morning live 11 a.m.